All right, Genesis chapter number 11 this evening. Genesis 11. As we continue our study in the book of beginnings. And we're not going to study Genesis chapter number 10 together. Um, If you look at it, it's the genealogy, the generations of Noah and his sons. And so we're not going to necessarily take any time to try to extract something out of there. There's a mention of Nimrod being a mighty hunter before the Lord. I think Nimrod's kind of used as a a goofy name for people now. But Genesis chapter number 11 this evening, and we're going to look at the confusion of languages. We'd already seen within 350 years of Noah leaving the ark with his family that the population of the earth had greatly increased. The wickedness of man had firmly established itself Once again, last week we looked at the sin of Noah, his indiscretions, and we saw how so soon after the departure from the ark that already those who had had faith in God, those who had witnessed the entire population of the world save for themselves wiped out due to sin, how quickly they returned to wickedness once again. These verses here in Genesis chapter number 11 describe how God confused the languages of man and thus confused man's attempts at unscriptural unity, a unity that was opposed to the rule of God. And certainly we can marvel at how quickly mankind returned to wickedness, but we don't have to marvel too much. We can look within our own hearts at our own wickedness, at our own flesh, and recognize the tendency to do just the same resides within you and within me. But Genesis chapter number 11 this evening, and we're just going to take the first nine verses here, says, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick. And burned them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. And they have all one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel. Because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. So we see, first of all, we'll notice this evening from the text, a perilous concord. We find that in the first four verses of the chapter. 
And the first thing that we notice there in verse number one is that there is a common language. The whole earth was of one language and of one speech. So it would seem that they're all gathered together and they all speak one language. Of course, that makes sense, right? Noah and his family, they, they spoke the same language. And prior to that, mankind had one language. God hadn't created a bunch of different languages yet. And so they, they all spake the same language. And everyone that was alive, they all, I mean, it's strange to really think about for us, they all spake the same language, all of them. It, you know, we go different places and we hear different languages. Certainly if you've ever traveled to different countries or even gone into maybe an ethnic area, a neighborhood of a city, little, uh, little Italy or Chinatown or something like that in a larger city, and you get down in some of these areas, and you find that you're lost. You hear noises that people are making with their mouths, and you have no idea what they're saying. But in this time, at this time, everyone spoke the same language. Not only that, it says there that they were of one speech. Of one speech. And I believe that that's speaking to the fact that they are saying the same things. It's a unified group of people, and we see that uh, brought out more further down in the text, that this group of people is unified together. They have the same goal, but they're of one speech, one language and one speech. They have a, a unification of the things that they are saying. Certainly, language has a powerful ability to bond people to one another. If you've ever traveled uh, for any length of time, I can remember being over in Africa, and you hear someone speaking in an American accent as you're walking down the street, and you feel this strange affinity to that person. You don't know who they are, and you know if you were passing each other on the streets of home back here, you wouldn't think anything of it. You wouldn't give them a second glance, but when you're in a strange culture, in a strange land, there's a, a bond that's there, and you recognize, and you think, oh man... That sounds like an American talking over there. I wonder where they're from. I wonder what they're doing here. But language has a powerful ability to bond us together. And it is certainly difficult to have a strong bond of unity when there is so much misunderstanding because of differences in language and communication. And if you've ever tried to communicate with someone who did not speak the same language as you, it can be frustrating, especially when you have to figure something out together. Now we have really neat tools that we can use on our phones anymore, like Google Translate and things like that. And those are a lot of fun. In fact, back in Pennsylvania, the church that I was at there, we had a, a ministry into Allentown. And Allentown's a, a larger city that's right next door to where the church is. And they have a very large Hispanic population there. And so we would go and we would try to witness to these folks. Well, I don't speak hardly any Spanish. I, I speak a very small amount. And so we would often pull our phones out and we would have conversations with them with Google Translate. And people would stop and actually engage in conversation with us because they were excited that somebody was trying to communicate with them in that way. But certainly, there is a, a difficulty there when there is a, a language barrier. But we see that this group of people, they didn't have that problem. They had a common language. Not only a common language, but we notice that they had a common place. In verse number three, they said one to another, go to 
or sorry, verse number two, it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. So we see that they're, they've gathered together, they travel east from wherever they were at, and they end up in this land of Shinar. They find this fertile plain, they find a place that looks nice to set up. Of course, I'm sure that they were uh, after the flood was over, they had been exploring and trying to, to figure out what the world looked like now as it had been rearranged. But at, at this time, they would have known, but they, they find themselves in this plain of Shinar, the land of Shinar, and they dwell there. So they've gathered together in a common location. The, the place that they find there is it's located now, believed to be located uh, in modern-day Babylon, which is in the country of Iraq. So it's in, it's in the fertile crescent of the world. And certainly, if you've ever seen pictures and images of that area of the world, very beautiful uh, area of the world, often very war-torn, um, and that causes some, some problems, but a very fertile area with rivers flowing through there. And so they've, they've come together into this land and they dwelt there. Previous to verse number two, it would seem like people were traveling around. Maybe they were a little transient or nomadic. But they've established a place. They've agreed together. They've gathered together to this place. In the end of verse number two, they dwelt there. They've made it their home. They've sunk down roots. They've decided that they are going to stay in this place. So we see a common language and a common place. And third of all, we'll see that they have now a common purpose. In verse number three now, they said one to another, go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. The building methods described there in verse number three are methods of permanence. They weren't looking to uh, erect a temporary structure Right? These weren't just uh, basic uh, dirt bricks or mud bricks like they might use over in Africa, but they're talking here about baking them, about burning them thoroughly, about building a, a durable product, something that is going to last, something that's going to stand the test of time. But not only that, in verse number four, they said, go to, let us build us a city. So they're, they're agreeing together that they're going to use these building methods. They're going to build a city now. Presumably, this was the first city that was built after the flood. It's the first mention that we find of a city being built. You may notice in their statement, though, that there is absolutely no mention of God. There's no mention of what God had told them. There's no mention of uh, submission to the divine will to asking God for his opinion on any of this. They're just talking amongst themselves. They're making plans and goals. And they said, let us build a city. Not only that, they said, let us build a tower. They want to make this tower whose top may reach unto heaven. It would seem that this tower was intended to be a center of worship. The description of its top reaching unto heaven has an indication of their desire to worship with a view towards the sky. Their worship in this passage is clearly not a worship of God. We find no mention of God in the passage as they talk to one another. It's possible that they were linked with astrological signs, but certainly 
Their, their worship here is a worship of self. A worship of humankind, of mankind. A worship of what they want, what they desire. We see that brought out as they say in verse number 4, Let us make a name. Let us make a name. They had a desire to establish themselves, to make themselves important, to make themselves large, to make themselves known. They desired to make a name for themselves apart from their place in creation as assigned by God. There's an idea here of them exalting themselves as gods in this desire. And, you know, really people today are the same. We talked about that some this morning. You know, Judas, his worship was of himself. And if we're not careful, we can begin to worship ourselves as well. Anytime that we seek our will, what we want, what we desire above God and above what God wants in his will, really, if you boil that down to its most basic form, it's worship of self. It's exalting ourselves to the position of God and saying, you know what? God doesn't matter. What God wants, what God says doesn't matter. It's what I want. It's worship of us. So these people, they desired to make a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Now wait a second. What had God told them to do? When they left the ark, God had commanded man to be fruitful, to multiply and to replenish what? The earth. That necessitates scattering. That necessitates uh, not staying in one location as a group, but going, spreading out. And so we see them here exalting themselves against the will of God. So we see that there is a perilous concord. But then, second of all this evening, we'll see that there is a purposeful confusion. In verse number 5, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men uh, builded. So first of all, we'll notice what God saw in verse number 5. And it's an interesting way that that's worded there. It gives an interesting mental picture in verse number 5. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. So it, it gives this picture of God coming down from heaven and looking at the works of men. He sees the city, he sees the tower that the men have begin, begun to build, but certainly God was not unaware of what mankind was doing. God was not somehow, he'd been on vacation and now he came home and, oh yeah, now he's just finally noticing this. But it's certainly an idea that God comes and he's inspecting. He's noticing. There's a, a level of interest and concern that God has for what man is doing in this place. There's an indication in this that man was doing his building apart from the approval and instruction of God. God was not in the building plans. God's opinion had not been consulted. But the reality is God cannot be avoided by man. I mean, how foolish. How foolish for this group of people to think. After what they knew, after what their forefathers had been through, after what they had been told, to think, oh yeah, we're going to somehow subvert the will of God. We're going to get around him. We're going to pull a fast one on God. We're going to build a city with a tower that reaches to heaven so we can get up there and we can 
uh, consult with God. We can make ourselves God. I don't know what their ultimate purpose was in building a tower whose top reaches to heaven. But how silly to think that God wouldn't notice. So God comes down and he sees what is going on. We see what God saw, but then second of all, what God said. In verse number 6, the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. And they have all one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. God recognizes the unified uh, nature of this group of people. He says the people is one. They're one. They're unified together. They have one language. God saw the unified intention of man towards false worship. Certainly God had history with this. God was very privy to what mankind would do as they unified together as nothing was restrained from them, he had seen the wickedness of man grow before. And so God is concerned about where mankind is heading in this unified state. He knows the power of unity. And when men have the same language and can share information quickly for the purpose of accomplishing incredible things. You know, unity can be used in a positive way. A group of people coming together in unity is a good thing when they have a good purpose. But certainly, when men rally around an evil purpose, unity can take, take them places that they ought not to go very, very quickly. can cause a lot of problems. This unity that they, they have in this passage is not good because it's focused on what they imagined to do. What they have imagined to do. Their unity was not bound together by truth, but rather by the desires that they had for themselves. It was a destructive unity. They had unified together, and God said, nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Certainly God was concerned, <laughs> concerned that what was going to happen. He had just wiped out the world population due to their wickedness. And mankind was so soon headed that direction once again. But we see in verse number 7 how God scatters. It says, Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. Now, You've got to love verse number 7. Because the language is so similar to the speech of this group of people. A group of people, every time they, they gathered together and they came up with something they were going to do, what did they say? Go to. Let us do this. Go to. Let us do this. But now God comes on the scene, and God is determined what to do. And God says, go to. Let us go down, and there confound their language. You see, the purposes of mankind in this instance, they were laid out. They had their 20-year plan. I don't know how long it was going to take. I mean, brother, if you're going to build an entire city and a tower whose top reaches to heaven out of bricks, 
It's going to take a while. So maybe a 100, a 200-year plan, I don't know. They had their plan laid out. They had their vision pulled together. This group of people, they were going places. They were unified. And God says, go to. Let us go down. We see the plural pronoun there, us, as God speaks amongst himself. The Godhead present once again, speaking of God as a triune being. But we see that God's purpose here is to confound. He says that there in verse number 7, and there confound their language. The word confound means to, to mix it up, to confuse their language so that they could no longer communicate with one another. We see what happens. God determines to do this. He determines to go down and confound their language. And in verse number 8, So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. So they've pulled together. They've made all this effort to build this city and this tower. And they've laid out their plans. And God just says, okay, let's go down and confound it. Done. Languages are created out of thin air, out of the mind of God. And now there's mass confusion. And I don't know, my imagination, it, it really gets into this kind of stuff. I mean, I, I kind of picture a, a group of guys up on scaffolding, you know. And there's this guy, and he's, he's laying bricks, and he needs some more mortar. Because he's run out of mortar. Harry, send up some more mortar. Harry. And there's this guy down there that he knows named Harry. And Harry's looking at him, and Harry's yelling at him in gibberish. Harry, what's going on? Why aren't you talking to me, man? And I don't know how God divided all the people up if he you know, kept family divisions and families. They all spoke the same language, and I don't know. We're not given a lot of details. It's one of those things, you know, one day when we get to heaven, maybe we'll figure it out how it happened. But, I mean, it had to be mass chaos. No matter how organized or orderly it was, everything is confused. Everything is confounded. And apparently, there wasn't a big enough or a large enough group of people left to get together to finish the tower in the city. Because the text tells us they left off building it and they scattered. Now there is no unity. Where once there was great unity, great purpose, now there is confusion. The confusion drove man apart as there was great frustration in not being able to communicate with one another. And it's at this point that the population of the earth is divided and scattered all over the known world. The, the place there is called Babel. We find that in verse number 9. That word Babel simply means confusion because of what God did there. Ever since that day, there has been a devilish intention to bring men back together again in an unscriptural unity to defy the rule of God. However, the confusion of languages has prevented this on a worldwide scale. Up until this point, 
of human history. And it is interesting, you know, the further time goes, the more unified uh, mankind becomes in a sense, in some ways. Obviously, we're also very divided in other senses. But as far as the language of man, the languages of man are rapidly becoming unified. English is one of the most spoken languages in the world. Chinese, I believe, is the most spoken language in the world. But English is really beginning to creep out there into all different societies and all across the world. Uh, you know, we laboring in Africa there with my parents. My parents don't speak the tribal dialects there. Lang uh, English is the trade language of the country of South Africa and most of the countries uh, that my dad works with there. And so that is a great blessing in a lot of ways, right? It, it affords us a lot of opportunities to preach the gospel to people that we don't have the, the ability or the time to learn their language necessarily. But it also carries with it a coming judgment. As one day, right, mankind will unify together against God, and God will bring final judgment against them. But we see here uh, the, the happenings, the confusion of language, as this group of people has gathered together against God. And as we think about ourselves today, and we think of how we can apply, how we can think of what happened here in Genesis chapter number 11, and how we can make application to ourselves the first question that I'll ask is, how can you and I sometimes be guilty of making plans without the approval or involvement of God? You see, here in the passage, this group of people, they didn't ask for God's approval. They didn't ask his desires. And in fact, in some ways, it would seem that they went directly against his command on purpose. Like they had their own desire and their own will, their own direction that they wanted to go. And if we're not careful, you and I can be guilty of that as well. We can be guilty of making plans, of coming up with a way that we want to spend our life, we want to spend our time, we want to spend our resources, something that we want to pursue, and we can begin to ignore the will of God. And we can find ourselves in a similar place. Sometimes if our heart gets bent enough towards what we want, we can willingly and willfully go against that which we know God has commanded in order to seek the fulfillment of our own plans and desires. But you know, the, real, the reality for these folks was God knew exactly what they were doing. God knew exactly why they were doing it. And for you and I, we ought not um, deceive ourselves in thinking that it will be any different for us. God knows what you're doing. God knows why you're doing it. So be careful. Why should we be careful to make sure that our unity is based upon the truth of God and not the imaginations of man? If you think about that for a moment, there is great danger in being unified around that which is not truth. Because you can very easily get in a group of people who believe the same thing. They're all saying the same thing. They're of one speech. We're all agreeing together. And you get stuck in that group thinking you can begin to believe it, even if it's not true. And uh, certainly we, we can see examples of that all around us 
in the polarization of our country, in groups that form and they believe strange things that aren't based on truth. And we have to be ever so careful. Yes, unity is a good thing, but we, as a church, we need to be careful that our unity isn't just around what we think or what we like or how we like things to be done, but our unity needs to be based upon the Word of God. Our unity needs to be based upon truth, and we need to constantly be coming back to God's Word and allowing God to show us, reevaluating and saying, you know, is this truly what God's Word says? We must be careful that our unity is based upon truth and not the imaginations of man. And as we think about this, as we think about unity around wrong things, as we think about making our own plans without seeking God, God's approval or God's will, or even going a step farther and stepping out willfully against what we know God wants, is there a decision or plan that you have which needs to be yielded to the will of God? Is there something in your life this evening? some area of your life that you need to yield, submit to God's will, and pursue after His plan. You know, God's plan that He had laid out for this group of people was the best possible plan. If, if these folks had taken the instruction that had been given them, the admonition that had been given them, if they had used their minds and thought back to the flood, listen to the truth that was being told them, the account of the flood and God's mercy through it all, if they had heeded these things, they could have lived wonderful lives. They could have walked wisely with God. They could have fellowshiped with Him. They could have experienced the blessing and the protection and the, the fellowship with God, the provision of God. But rather they gathered together in a unified group against the purposes and will of God, and they experienced mass confusion. You and I this evening, if we're not careful, we can act like them in a lot of small ways in our lives, and we can reap the consequences that come from that. So I hope you'll think of these questions some, you'll spend some time meditating upon them, and that you'll purpose and desire this week to live for God to do His will and not your own.